This week on the Documentary Review Podcast, Jonathan and I discuss the Academy Award-winning documentary, Amy. Welcome to the podcast. This is PT. This is Jonathan. Glad you can join us. Indeed. Two things. Uh, well, first of all, I think we did this last year, the same thing where we... Uh, we picked a we picked a, 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 a documentary that was nominated, and I think it won. Can't remember what it was though. Was it Barong? Wait, yeah, it was Barong. Wait, I thought we picked the one that didn't win. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I think that was it. I think ours was up for right. an Academy Award, but didn't win. That's right. We were pulling for it, and then didn't come through. Yeah, like yeah, like twenty feet from Stardom or something. One, I think. That's right. Jerks. That's right. Did we ever watch? We watched that, didn't we? Yeah, I've watched it. I think we reviewed it. Yeah, I think that's, that's how awesome we are. Memory. We have we have done this show enough times that <laughs> right. we can literally start forgetting things we've done. Indeed. So that's like that's like podcasting Hall of Fame material right there. <laughs> we made it. We're in. It's yeah. awesome work, man. Uh, the next the next podcasting milestone is to get Obama on our show. That's like the is that the cool thing to do now? Yeah, that's what the good podcasters do. Cool. Is, does it still count if he's, you know, I don't think we're going to get him on b- between now and <laughs> the end of his presidential term. But uh, yeah, I think so. I think we're, I think we're good. We could, we could, we should just get all like the front runners on now for, for president. Yeah. I'm going to be ahead of the game. Be like, hey, have you tapped into the documentary watching boat? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. a very small percentage of them will be touched if you join us on our podcast. If you're going for the vote in Belgium, you got good inroads there. Back on. Um, hey, speaking of voting, so yesterday was Super Tuesday, and I went um, to see, like, what the – checking out the different states, and I was like, oh, okay. So Bernie won for Democrats in Colorado, and I was like, wait, who won for the Republicans in Colorado? Then I was like, oh, they just don't do it. <laughs> and then I was, like, reading articles trying to figure out – like, trying to understand, like, why, and uh, I don't know. Your state, I, your state was weird. We're weird, so we don't do like a Republican. Yeah, the Republic, the the Republican committee decided not to, <laughs> not to do primaries. So, huh? Is that like just this year thing, or so we do that every year? Yeah, no, I mean, every election decided, like, like in, announced it in like August or whatever that they weren't going to do it starting this year. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. Screw them, then. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. It's pretty weird, but um, I think I think it was one of those things where they they said like if you hold the primary, like then the delegates have to vote for like <laughs> who the who the people vote for, and uh, I think it may it may have been a Trump thing where they're like scared to to gotcha. risk risk the possibility of that. I don't know. Who knows? The other thing though I wanted to mention before we start is that uh, man, you're dealing with a whole new PT this week because I felt a little bad about that I was so negative last week. Although I stand by all my my uh, critiques, I you know I don't like to be a hater. I, I still haven't actually put that episode up on the podcast feed because I'm feeling bad about being so negative. So uh, so this week, man, I'm I'm all positive. You, you, you won't, you won't <laughs> on this fun loving documentary that we're about to do. <laughs> That's right. You won't even you don't even you won't even really find out what I think of this documentary. I'm just gonna say it's good. <laughs> so, okay. That's where I'm going. Anything else before we get into the documentary, Jonathan? Uh no. No. We'll 
save politics for another. I've, I'm, I've been kicking that can down the road. I haven't been paying attention. I just keep waiting, waiting for the part where they're like, ah, just kidding, that Trump thing was a joke. <laughs> so after they do that, then I'll start to pay attention. Right. Yesterday was the first, I think it was the first primary I've ever voted in. It's the first time I've ever like cared in a primary, I guess. Nice. Um, all right. So anyway, let's talk. Tell us about, about uh, Amy, this Academy Award-winning film. All right. Uh, Amy is obviously the story of uh, Amy Winehouse, essentially from the beginning to the end of her career, uh, with a little backstory even prior to that. It's told in a very gritty and raw way with uh, footage and photographs from her life. Uh, you know, all, almost all of it, you know, personal mixed in with some uh, entertainment clips from news and, you know, live performances, things like that. Uh, with voiceovers from all the people that knew her. Uh, it's also somewhat chilling because she herself, I, I mean, she does obviously have, you know, interviews and bites and things like that, but it, it's it's a very eerie kind of a feel because obviously everyone knows the end of the story and the lack of her voice, you know, as part of that. It, it, she, you know, she's very much more a character in it, or at least that was kind of my take on it than... Um, then obviously she would have been had, had she been alive and been able to to partake in the making of this documentary, and it really just gave it that even more chilling feel, at least it did for me throughout. Anyway, that's kind of getting a little deeper than a synopsis, but but that's Amy in a nutshell. Nice. Uh, all right, did you like it? I did. I mean, I, I did. It's it's a great documentary, so yeah, I guess I liked it. Cool. You? Yeah, I liked it. What I can't I can't say I didn't like it now. It's I'm going positive. Yeah, man. you're all positive, positive, man. You could be uh, positive you didn't like it, I guess. That's true. No, I liked it. I was uh, Amy Whitehouse like falls into the weird thing. Like I don't, I don't knew very little about her. Like I, I like if you played, uh, I could definitely not name an Amy Whitehouse fit, song by any means prior to watching this. And I uh, like if you played me a song, like she's got a distinct enough voice that I probably could have been like, I think it was that Amy Whitehouse or whatever. If you played me whatever songs, um, but like the things I knew about her prior to this were that she died and the people made a lot of jokes about her <laughs> being really messed up for a while before she died. That was pretty much what I knew about her. Really? And you, she like had a weird old fashioned kind of style. Yeah. You didn't know, you didn't know like even the song rehab, nope. like, not even one song. Really? No, it was a pretty popular song. That was I mean, my first time hearing it. <laughs> really? You're kidding me. That's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, cause that was like a number one ish hit in the States anyway. Yeah, and it was like one of those. Like, like, most of all, I wonder what year that was. That was like, 2006 through 2008 ish in that ballpark. Yeah, it must have definitely fall in a time where I was not listening to popular music at all. Like, I, like I think a lot less. Like any time, like maybe prior to 2005, I would at least have some knowledge of what the top kind of heard the top couple songs in the last like five years or so. Same, but there's probably like a ten year span where I had no knowledge of pop music. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I kind of fell. I was kind of in your camp on my knowledge of Amy Winehouse, not not so much in the dark about her, because I certainly knew the song Rehab, but I, that was the only song of hers that I knew. And I always thought it was very interesting that people cared so much about her because I didn't listen to the rest of her music, and I didn't, like, I never bought her album or anything like that. So I just knew her strictly after that one song. Um, and then I caught, you know, I was always caught, catching, like, news footage or glimpses or little, like, brief stories about, like, her train wreck life and stuff like that. So uh, I, I was aware of her, was aware of like her, you know, battle with, with drug and alcohol addiction. Um, but like, I certainly didn't realize she was a really talented artist. I thought she just had like a pop song and she was, 
the rest right. of her is just like you know good tabloid material gotcha uh, <laughs> yeah when so watching this not knowing very much about her one thing that i was wondering like because i was thinking a lot about what time frame was this i wonder if like if she like if if she like she was undoubtedly really talented and had a really uh distinct good voice and good good lyricist and stuff like that but i wonder if i feel like there's a lot of time periods where she wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't have like made it that famous like she could have just been like a you know playing in jazz clubs and stuff like that. I think she's like fell into a time where there wasn't like a huge musical trend and she like kind of slid into the perfect, the perfect time. I don't know. I'm, well, I'm torn I, on that, but yeah. Like again, I was, I'm, I'm not like a huge music guy, but I was, I'm always been like keen on, on just popular music. Cause I'm not a huge music. Guy. I don't dive too deep or anything like that, but like just knowing popular music at that time, again, she came out of nowhere for me. And I'm sure a lot of people with rehab where all of a sudden it had that one. And that one song was really popular. And prior to that, she had, you know, critical success, but I don't think she ever would have had anything, you know, past that had it not been for rehab. That was like their, her popular song, if you will. Cause the rest of it, the rest of her music was really good. At least like the parts that I heard through this documentary. Um, yeah. But it wasn't the kind of stuff that you would hear on the radio. You know, it was very, you know, again, like I could see it where she, the same kind of thing, maybe a step up from just playing local jazz clubs, but not too far past that. Right. Yeah, maybe like the, like, because there's like right now, there's tons of really awesome, like, uh, jazz and blues guitarists who like have, have like cult followings, but like jazz and blues guitars, not, not like a super popular scene right now. So they're never going to like get ultra famous, right. popular. but they, you know, they make a living and they have their following sure. and stuff like that. So I could see her being that kind of lo- level. Um, yeah. Another thing, though, that I was actually really surprised by at the end. So, in the final closing credits, they like played one of her songs, and it was like so much more polished than anything else in the documentary. I was like, feel, like were most of the stuff we heard in the documentary like her, like live performances, and I mean there were a lot of live performances, but I feel mm-hmm. like we didn't hear too many of like her actual album tracks throughout the documentary. No, I don't think we did. I, I don't. I'm trying to remember if they really played any. I think they played like a clip from one or two. And like one of it was they had like a really kind of gritty thing where she was doing the actual recording of the song. And I think it's back to black and uh, she's singing into the, you know, the studio mic. So all you hear is her voice and there's nothing else. Um, you know, obviously the people doing the recording can hear the rest of the instruments and all that stuff, but she's just straight up singing to the microphone. And it's like a video footage of her doing that. And then they fade the sound to the actual like polished finished track of the album and then they fade that sound back out and it ends with her just singing which actually was really cool but right as i think the only other time you heard any of the you know track music nice um, good deal um so it's, uh, I, I really like the style of this documentary i thought it was cool like it's it was very un like they i think feel like the filmmakers really tried to just let the footage speak for itself even though of course they're definitely steering it but uh you know there was not too much you know there's no like narrator or anything like that it was all just letting the people kind of tell the story and i, I felt i liked the style of it it's cool i thought yeah i thought so too i thought it had um you know i mean that's what really made this a unique documentary was you know others than some minor voiceovers here or there you know people reflecting on stuff the mass majority of it was just like footage you know like home video style footage with and it, it gave it such a different feel than like i would have thought they would have uh 
would have had at least like a couple graphics slash narration slash and then you know like that's normally when you hit you know you the little fade to black screen where it's like 2007 grammys after blah 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 and like they they piece together the timeline for you and, and by not doing that it really made it a much more personal documentary you know much more again like i thought it was probably the saddest documentary i've ever watched like uh, as, as a whole um uh, yeah just see i mean it was so real it seems so real especially when you see her as a young girl like you know you think of like famous people i guess kind of like if they, you just get this automatic detachment for them as a person and you're just watching this young young girl you know trying to figure life out and and come into her own while pursuing a music career and you just watch her fail miserably or you know not, and i guess she really succeeds in the career part but in the living life part she just fails miserably and you get to watch it slowly unfold um but you, you I, like you care so deeply for her because you're just like i keep i kept thinking like what if that was my daughter you know she said, someday she's gonna grow up and be that age and i would still think of her as a kid i would still think about any i mean really starts this journey off in her late teens or all right that's just a kid yeah totally and one thing like that i i mean i guess we'll never it's one of those things like you mentioned that it would have been cool if we could have gotten her perspective on it now or whatever but uh it was interesting because like they they kind of positioned it as that she never really wanted to be that famous or anything like that uh just kind of wanted to wanted to to make you know make music and make a living off it and stuff like that but uh yeah i don't know i, I guess when you're it, it's it'd be a hard thing to turn your back on but i kept being like well why don't why don't you just pull back from this a little bit and you know but I guess it's hard hard to do when you're when you have those opportunities. You don't know when they're going to go away and all that stuff. You got right, and it's, like you take them, got to take them while you can or whatever. I'm sure. Sure, and I'm sure it's more complex too because you're, you know, one everybody like would look at you like a crazy person if you just you know you just won a Grammy, you just hit like a pinnacle of success, and then you're like, well, I'm just going to walk away from this now. Um, which I think you know, in hindsight, obviously that would have been the best thing she could have done. You know, right. Either walk away from it or you go find a crazy jazz club in some part of the world nobody knew who she was and write music and anyway but uh you know you i'm sure she was supporting a lot of her you know her crew like her whoever her team was and then her probably some of her friends and family were supported by her too not to mention herself you know she sure quickly adjusted to having money really yeah. tough thing to just totally, off. Yeah. i mean i think there have been some examples of people like i remember reading uh in uh like a thing about um robin robin wright robin wright pen i don't know what it is which one it is now but like how right after like the princess bride she like got some really big opportunities for some really big movies and um she like kind of like consciously made the decision she like knew some people who were really big stars and she just like saw how that is just has to be your entire life and you basically cannot have anything else if you're that and decided yeah that's not really what i want for my life and kind of just pulled back and you know has had a nice career since but but didn't go for the whole big star thing so i think it's possible but definitely takes pretty mature person person to make that decision you know right and there there lies the problem too is like i i feel like right now in my life if some weird thing happened where all of a sudden you know i've, I've whatever landed a movie role by some bizarre coincidence and and then like people were like, do you want to keep on this ride? I could probably be like, you know, if I, if I legitimately was like, oh, I think that would be bad for me and my family. I think I could bow out and be able to do that. 
But I could do that pushing 40 and I would be able to one gauge that that would be an issue and then like weigh my life as I have it now. And I foresee it. And and I think I could really bow out of that. I guarantee if I was 20, if I would have been like, wow, this is probably going to end in disaster, but I'm in, let's do this, you know, (laughs) movies, money, let's, you know, when you're that young, you would never have the restraint to think like, is this really what I want or really what I want to do? And that's when most of this happens to people. You know, most people become stars or famous athletes or famous musicians in their early 20s. Um, it's, right. it's just a time when you can't make a good judgment call. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking earlier, I was like, have there been any good examples of people who have, who have, you know, got that early fame and turned out well? And yeah, I guess there's been a lot of them <laughs> now that I think about it. But yeah. You know, your Leo DiCaprio's <laughs> and stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a rough thing i'm sure yeah there's also quite a many quite a few that you can follow down the other path but right right you know <laughs> cool so what do, what do you think caused you know, like it, again it was so hard because they didn't give you that like dr- that they didn't pull back and say like here's the here's what what happened at this time period in Amy's life and here's you know they, they didn't give you that clear cut narration you just had to like put it together as you're watching and um so i mean she had like divorced parents and it didn't sound like there's anything more to it than that and like honestly like there's one line that of her mother's where i was like oh well you were a bad parent i mean like <laughs> and that was when she's like yeah when amy was very little like she would just like be going crazy and i wouldn't stand up to her i was like yeah that's called being a bad parent i mean <laughs> like that's that's pretty much what your job is is to reel little kids in and give them guidance All right and like obviously they're really strong-willed every every two to four year old on planet earth is really strong-willed they just say <laughs> no 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 and i want this and why and, and they want to do their own thing so i was like yeah okay so she had a bad mom you know she wasn't she probably should have picked up a book on parenting or i don't know it's done something but anyway Again, not all kids with, and not saying she was a horrible mom. It didn't sound like she beat her. She just wasn't great. And then, uh, and then she got into alcohol really early on. I mean, you got to like, cause she, you know, by the time she was in her early twenties was, you know, her body was like having massive problems when they were like, yeah, she went to the doctor and she's having like heart issues at this age. And it was like, you gotta, you gotta be a pretty raging alcoholic to get, that level that early on in life um right yeah i don't yeah you can't really like blame it on the music and fame and stuff like that i mean i guess that you could definitely blame the escalation on that but it seemed like she was already did that doing doing super hot oh but, yeah yeah like but yeah i don't know but on the other hand i mean there's certainly tons of people who party like crazy when they're you know young kids and you know, I've heard stories from like totally responsible adults who are like, "Oh yeah, I was drinking in sixth grade and all this stuff." Uh, right. So. Yeah, and again, I guess that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is like, can we can we learn a lesson from this? Can we pinpoint like, you know, I mean, as Amy like is coming up, she's again, she's a party or drinker, but it sounded like so were her friends who, by the end of the documentary, are like clear-headed, sober again on that path, like. I, shoot everybody lives in if you if you took all the suburbs in america and you interviewed all the like at a real sit down of all the moms and dads you know raising their little kids in the suburbs who are all super responsible adults i'm sure tons of them would be like oh my god yeah back in my young days i partied too much but even when you party so much you're not like 
drinking six hours a day. Like, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, for like four hours a day, go get hammered off my ass. I mean, like, even people that are like, I party a lot means, you know, maybe a couple of days a week or for a small time period of their life. Nothing that right. rivals that. And she kept going with it, too. I mean, like, obviously, she, she made some bad relationship choices, you know, but where she would have probably picked some more responsible guys that could have taken her down a different path instead of they, like, encouraged the path that she was already on. Uh, right. It didn't help her out. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's just like the perfect storm of different things. Like once she got to that certain level, like you know, everyone like in her in her life was had a huge financial stake and just have you keep going and go forward and not not deal with the problem and things like that. I think maybe we should maybe there's a service here we could start, Jonathan. Maybe we could maybe we need to start a service where we go to like they would never hire us is the problem because they don't care about this. But if we go to like young celebrities, they're like, all right. You're, we're we, we're going to charge you a million dollars, but here's the thing: you're not going to pay us this million dollars for ten years. So, so our goal is to get you from now till ten years from now. Like we're just going to be the person who's looking out for your next ten years. Like we we don't our only stake is to keep you cool for the next ten years. Right. So, so you have to have at least one at the end one at ten years, assuming you have at least a million dollars left and you're alive. <laughs> it comes to us. So our goal is to have you have more than that and be alive. Right. I love it. I mean, like. I, like the the funny thing is, like I think if there there should be a job out there, and again, it'll never happen because I don't know who would take or be the. But you should have like essentially like guys like us, like level-headed family guys with happy and normal lives, you know, or at least like the the person that holds this position should be like, yeah, I'm really happy with my life, and I, I like right. it, and I have great stable relationships, and essentially mentor these kids that are coming out like especially professional athletes and then yeah musicians and, and actors where you can be like you know just take them under your wing and be like all right yeah partying's okay but so you know you got to keep it on a leash and what you're doing with your money now is going to be you know just kind of give them some advice some guidance right. I, there needs to be that but i don't, I don't see it ever happening <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know like i think you could i think like guys like us could really help those you know help young people like that end up in a happy down the road position, but yeah. but they never listen to us. If you're like, screw you, I'm yeah, maybe, maybe it would be like the record company or something who would pay us for it. I don't know. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the NFL should have that. They yeah. should totally have like hire on some life coaches. Yeah, you know, be, and be like when their players come on board, be like and have really strict rules with those co- you know life coaches. Like, yeah, they get paid by the NFL. They can't take a dime from any player. They can't make any money off any of the players. So they're the one person that's like, hey, my only motivation here is to have you end up happy and healthy at the end of your NFL career. Yeah. You know, that, that, that guy should exist here that sure. NFL. I'm sure you don't because no one from the NFL <laughs> listens to this. Hey, never know. it's a secret, man. Put it out there. Put it, That's it. I believe we're going to get this job. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So not to be a morbid or downer, but like what, so you, you mentioned that, um, that this was really sad. And of course, like her death and everything like that was super sad. But like other than the actual death, like were there any, like what were what were one or two of the big like, oh, really yeah. sad moments that left out at you? Yeah. Oh, there were, there were tons of them. So I guess really maybe like an hour in is when like where you start to see like they, they, they she's going up and up and up and everything's kind of going good. I mean, she's still battling with, you know, eating disorders and drugs and all that. But then there's like, as she hits her fame, you know, and her 
almost everything after that is pretty sad. Like from moments like when she wins her Grammy and there's a moment where you just see her like one, it's, it's heartwarming because she's so like when Tony Bennett comes out and then of course later she gets to meet Tony Bennett. Like she's, she's so like just amazed to even see him on television, like saying her name. And then, um, you know, she can tell she's really shocked when she, she actually wins. And then afterwards you see her just sitting on the stage and this is after she's essentially had one bout of really bad drug abuse. Uh, you know, it's the point where she was already in that one comatose state and, uh, and you can just see like how tormented she is after the Grammy wins. Like it's more than she can comprehend and she wants to run back to, to substance abuse. Um, that moment was kind of sad. Of course, like the moments, some of the moments on, where she's on stage, like the one where she has, is trying to like slap her own face to like essentially, you know, sober up enough to potentially perform. That was like horrible. Um, of course, the moment where she goes, like, tries to just, you know, derail her own career. Like, there's a point where she does try and walk away with it from it, and she knows and walking away isn't inherently possible. So she goes and just, like, you know, implodes on stage during her comeback to her. Again, all those are just, like, yeah, it's just, like, and, and, and then, of course, like, on top of that, you know how it's going to end. All right. Because, like, it, it, that, that's this, those are the scenes in a movie where you'd be like, "Oh, this is horrible," but I know, I know it's coming. I know like somebody's gonna swoop in, they're gonna save themselves, or someone's gonna save them, and in the end, it's gonna be happy. And in this, you're just like, "Someone do something," but I know they're not going to. There's, there's nothing, nothing will be done. She dies from this, you know. Uh, so yeah, that, yeah. that made it extra sad, I think. Totally. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that that moment at the Grammys was one for me too. And like, I think there was, didn't she have some kind of line? I can't remember the exact line that she said to her friend or something about, man, even this is kind of boring, <laughs> boring without drugs or something. She had some, some line like that about how oh, everything's so boring without drugs. Right. And now it's as she won a Grammy, like essentially a pinnacle moment in life. It's like, well, this is okay, but you know, it's a lot nicer, <laughs> like doing heroin and crack cocaine and drinking at the same time. That's more fun. Right. And that's like, uh, that's when you know you're toast. I mean, I would think because what, yeah. Yeah, that, that sucks. Yep, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Do that. Don't, don't become a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah, you know, see, this is where I'm going to, I'll get on a little soapbox for a second here. I guess I've been on soapbox all night long. Okay, we need to teach kids about drugs, not in like the dare campaign where it's like drugs are bad, don't do drugs. Okay, that doesn't work at all. We got to be like, hey, kids. Smoking a joint and shooting heroin are not the same. There are differences in drugs. There are things that you might experiment with, but there's things that you probably don't want to know. Like even if you shoot heroin a couple times and you never go back and shoot it again, probably it's not good for you to even know that. You don't want to know certain things in life. All right. I mean, you spend the rest of your life thinking like, man, you know what? I go for a little heroin again. That was really fun. Um, sure. You don't want that thought. That's Screw that. That only ends, that, that path ends in a horrible, horrific way. Let it go. Don't do that. And like, uh, you know, I mean, like teach kids again, teach kids like, you know, it, it, which is like, here's like a really weird thing to say is like, there are people that you probably know that have done a couple lines of Coke and their lives didn't implode. Probably pretty much anyone that was an adult in the, in the 1980s. <laughs> if you know someone that was an adult during that decade, <laughs> 
you probably know some people that have right. lines of cocaine and, and didn't implode their life. But if we teach kids like, hey, like there are a lot of people in the, in the 1980s that died from cocaine overdoses because we taught them like cocaine is bad and it kills you. And they did one line and they were like, well, nothing bad happened. That wasn't so bad. But what we didn't teach them was like, hey, if you do, you know, eight grams of cocaine in one sitting, you're going to die of a heart attack. And no one taught them that. No one gave them like education and knowledge. And so they just did that one night and died. It's like, well, a better technique would have been to like teach something valid in the beginning. And then you could probably watch out for the bad stuff later on. Um, so anyway, we should do that with drugs, not our <laughs> stupid, retarded American drug education system. Right. All right. As this, <clears throat> this is going to be my recommendation later, but I'll tip my hand. I was listening to this, uh, this podcast called, um, death, sex, and money, which I think I've recommended before, but basically the whole premise is just that they talk about like things that are like uncomfortable to talk about basically uh, on the podcast. So they had these two people on here on there that were, the title of the episode was falling in love with heroin. And it was these two people who were like former heroin addicts or they were like just describing what it was like. Yeah. The, the one, the one chick like her, she was talking about her first time doing heroin and she was like, and first of all, she'd never like smoked a joint or anything. She just uh, like got pressured by a boyfriend and did like trying heroin and did it. Uh, but anyway, she was like, yeah, right when I did heroin, like I never re- realized like how much sadness like was in me or whatever. And it was just like in an instant, it was all gone or whatever. Then like, you know, a few hours later it came back and I was like, oh, this is awful. She was like, yep. I knew then that I really wanted to have that, to, that feeling again. <laughs> Yeah, some things you shouldn't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Indeed. Uh, what, another thing, like, in this documentary that that I thought they did a really good job portraying was the paparazzi. And they did, like, just the camera angles they showed and the things like that, like, did a great job of, like, showing how incredibly invasive and crazy that would be if you were, if you were uh, being followed around by all those paparazzi people. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, the one, uh, the one little editing trick they did on a few brief occasions was they, sh- they, they didn't roll film. They showed series of still images taken by the, the paparazzi. And it would always take, like, I'll, every once in a while I'd be like, this film seems a little off. And then I'd be like, holy crap. That is not like a motion camera. That is just how many photographs were snapped consecutively that it's actually probably 30 frames per second-ish from these cameras uh, and, and like you can just see and hear like the flashes from, yeah, it, it's just like, I mean, that's kind of like a shame on you thing, right? I mean, yeah, there's, you, there's other things you can do for money. Uh, and, and that just is one where you're like, dude, shame on you, man. You should, <laughs> you... Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, definitely shame on the photographers, but also, I mean, it's the, <clears throat> Like it's weird that we just as a society have that demand. Like, why do we want to see so many pictures of A.B. Whitehouse or whoever? Like, why do we why do we care that much that we need to see her like coming out? Of, yeah, is, you know, if nobody was paying those photographers like for those pictures to be hugely in demand, they wouldn't be doing it. So shame on everyone involved, including us. I guess. Yeah, sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I suppose I suppose that's t- to blame too. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't buy any tabloid magazines. Um, right. Does anyone buy magazines anymore? Is that still a thing? Yeah. I see them in supermarkets. I think it's a thing. But and more more so the tabloid websites these days. People go to those? Is yeah. That, those are things? <laughs> Definitely things. <laughs> like the, 
I just read an article the other day about TMZ, like the way it's run, like a, uh, it's run like like a basically like an intelligence network, like it's like it has a very similar tactics to like the CIA and stuff, just to totally keep tabs at all times on all celebrities and figure out any any ways they can get more and more pictures. Dude, I actually got to like I got to see the inside outside of a TMZ article this last week. Oh yeah, which is really really interesting actually. So. Uh, my wife was on a cruise and it just happened to be like a Pittsburgh Steeler cruise. Um, which she didn't do that intentionally, but the Steelers thing got moved to her cruise anyway. So a bunch of Pittsburgh Steelers and former Pittsburgh Steelers players were on this cruise and uh, they, the ship stopped and picked up some refugees on a, a, a boat that was adrift in the ocean. Um, and there were 16 people on this little raft, I assume coming from Cuba. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so they stopped and picked him up. And there was a photograph taken by somebody on the ship of these guys, you know, before they rescued him. And the story was, like, written basically – it was on TMZ, their website thing. And it, when you read it, it really sounded like a bunch of Pittsburgh Steeler players rescued <laughs> these people out in the ocean or whatever. And I was like, no, I mean, like, they happened to be on the ship that did see them and rescue these people. But, I mean, there was certainly, like, I don't think, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers were hanging and dangling by each other's, you know, holding each other's feet, picking these people up off this raft on this giant cruise ship. Um, yeah, I, bet, certainly I imagine written, they'd be, like, using their football players, like, call, call them out. <laughs> Omaha 14 and they just like, oh. Boom. They were all jumping, diving off, catching each other's feet, pulling each other up like a human ladder. That could have been how that was kind of how it was interpreted by TMZ. But I'm pretty sure the reality of it was quite different. In fact, my, my wife's version of the events didn't involve any Pittsburgh Steelers players at all. Nice. Yeah. Crazy. Did she have fun on our cruise? Yeah. She had a good time. She was hurting yeah. a bunch of girls from the neighborhood. Nice. Good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, yeah, Sorry. I don't know, I don't know what topic. anything else you want to say about Amy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, just like if you're in the mood for like a a well done but extremely depressing documentary, then <laughs> and I wouldn't even say depressing. It's just sad. Like sometimes documentaries are a little depressing. We're just like, oh, we should be doing way better as a species, or I should be doing way better to help the something. And this one wasn't like that, but it was certainly like, you know, because like, it was so hard to pinpoint and nobody was telling you why, how we screwed up. Like normally in something like this, people would be like, there'd be experts talking about like, well, the correct thing you should do and people in society should be doing this. And like, here's what would have, if in hindsight, we could have done all these things differently and that, you know, she would be alive and, happy. and there's none of that in this. So you're just like watching a horrible thing happen. I mean, I know what she did wrong. Too many negative thoughts. That's the problem. That was it. If she would have... <laughs> she was very negative. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. How many stars are you going to give Amy? And I'm going... I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll give you a follow-up question after that. I'm, go- I'm going four and a half on Amy. Honestly, there's... You're going four? I'm going four. All right, what's my like follow-up um, do, you, do you feel like it deserved the best documentary? We've seen a lot of documentaries from 2015. I didn't watch um, the Oscars. Um, well, the other ones that we've seen that were nominated were uh, the 
um, Winter on Fire, um, and there's a couple others I can't remember though. But we've seen the of of, of you know, you've well, got a good baseline. Does this well, Yeah, you know, um, in the spirit of of the way Academy Awards are given. You know, this seems like the obvious winner for two reasons. One, for like the the critical reason that it it had such a they they did such a, an amazing job of making it very personal and gritty. Um, you know, and you don't see many documentaries with this level of, of that kind of an account. Where even like Winter Winter on Fire is a, is a great example of what like the the format is, you know, where they're like, they took footage, you know, actual documentary footage of, of the events as they occurred, but then they cut it out. They brought in talking heads. They, they had timelines, you know, they, they put it together. Um, also a great documentary, but, but again, it followed those formats. And I think to get an Academy award, you got to do something a little more unique and original, something you don't see every in and out every day. And this documentary did that. And then, of course, the other thing that made it the obvious choice for a win is that Amy Winehouse died in, in real life. And, and any time that happens, you're going to you cast, you know, you, you, the Academy is made of a bunch of, regular, you know, essentially regular people in the, you know, film and movie industry that, that vote. But you would feel like such a dick being like, yeah, yeah, so Amy Winehouse died. You know, there, there's part of you that just feels like obligated to say, you know, right. in, in, in memory and remembrance of, of Amy Winehouse, boom, Academy Award. Right. Probably the... You? Probably a lot of the 60-year-old voters were, were like, oh, I've heard of her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a worthy, worthy enough choice. I'm not against it. I'll, I'll support it. I wish I knew all the other ones, though. I still should have paid uh, more attention. I can tell you. Tell right them to me. Now, they are... Um, uh, Cartel Land, The Look of Silence, What Happened, Miss Simone, and Winter on Fire. Oh, wow. Well, that's Winter. shocking. They've only seen Winter on Fire and Amy. Oh, man. I feel like we watch a lot of documentaries, but geez. I know we do. Not, we watch a ton. Yeah, all right. Stuff, stuff all right. Well, this this year we got to nail all those. We got to right. make deal. sure we see them all. all cool. The nominees. All right. Um, do you have any to nominate this week? Otherwise, I've got a list. If you do not, yeah, I need a, I need a list. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, I've got three documentaries that are the theme this time is countries where messed up stuff is going on. <laughs> Ooh, is this like a current event kind of theme or? Uh, yeah, yeah span I mean, time. All right, yeah, they're all pretty current. All right, so the first one is the propaganda game. This video diary style documentary follows filmmakers. Um, Alvaro Longori as he visits North Korea and examines the country's propaganda machine. So North Korea action. Number two, we've got we just heard heard its name, Cartel Land, one of the nominees. Uh, This documentary offers up an up-close look at two vigilante groups that have formed in Mexico in response to the increasing dominance of drug cartels. And the final country that something messed up's going on is our very own. It's uh, Spanish Lake. 
the residents of a small Missouri, Missouri town recount its turbulent recent past when ship, shifting demographics exposed a vein of racism and triggered white flight. So and triggered got, white, 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 white flight. White flight. Yeah, that's like white people moving away. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So we got All propaganda right. game, cartel land, or Spanish lake. Hmm. Well, it all sounds pretty interesting. But which sounds the most interesting? Darn it! You had to give me tough ones. I don't even know. I don't. I don't even. You didn't even give me like an easy out. Like like one where I'm like, all right, toss that out. Eating me the right. middle between the other two. Um. You know what? I'm gonna go with Spanish Lake. I want to focus on the U.S. because. You know, it's it's an election year. I need to right. have something to feel really passionate about in America. So cool. Other than, yeah, like a bunch of crappy candidates and stuff. We'll do it. All right. So Spanish Lake is what we were talking about next time. In the meantime, cool. thanks for uh, for listening. Uh, as always, you can leave us a review on iTunes. It helps. It helps helps a couple brothers out. Yeah, give us a like on one of those things. Is there stuff we're on that people could like? Um. Yeah, I guess. No. Yeah, <laughs> you can like us on SoundCloud, I guess. If you go to soundcloud.com slash documentary review podcast. Sweet. Do that. Getting, getting a lot of our a lot of a lot of listens on SoundCloud. We're making a little name for ourselves over there. There you go. So. We love you, SoundCloud. Indeed. And we love likes on SoundCloud. So please do that. Indeed. Yep. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. This is PT. Keep it real. And this is Jonathan. See you next week. Bye.